0: What's, I think, a little more difficult now is how you convert the shopper from whatever they came in to look at to what they might be better off in or what they might, on their own, find they're better off in.
1: Hi, this is Peter Stork and you're listening to Unscheduled Maintenance. As businesses across the country reopen and consumers head back into the marketplace, No matter the industry, there remain a lot of questions about what shoppers will be looking for. You don't need to be able to quote the most recent unemployment figures to understand consumer activity is going to look very different in the months ahead. And one of the biggest challenges for dealers is aligning their strategy with shifting consumer sentiment, especially when different regions and sectors of the economy will approach their purchases with different needs and financial limitations. There are many considerations that factor into a purchase, and in a tougher economy, price becomes a larger part of that equation. So today, we wanted to take a look at how the auto marketplace might shift towards a focus on affordability and how that may or may not impact dealer strategy. Joining us to help survey the landscape is Joe Weisenfelder, executive editor of Cars.com. Joe's been a member of the Cars editorial team for over two decades, keeping track of everything new hitting the road along with industry trends in general. Thanks for joining us today, Joe. Thank you. Hope everything is good with you.
0: Yeah, staying uh, um, healthy and sane. I think that's all we can ask for.
1: (laughs) All of us are in the same boat these days, I would say. Um, Start things off. Are are we starting to see, from what you're noticing, a a shift in marketing on both the manufacturer level as well as with dealers to what I'll somewhat impolitely call cheaper models
0: well it's it's tough to say at this point because it is still relatively early and and there's so many things we're trying to get a hold of which is, is is hold on which is you know what the demand is um and what it'll be for and how much supply there will be because uh unlike previous uh like economic crises that were strictly economic um, this was a situation where manufacturing also slowed down or stopped uh, completely. So it's not a situation like in the past where there was so much supply and vehicles piling up on lots. And then the question was simply, can people afford to buy those vehicles? Now it's a question of um, how many vehicles are there to buy for those that do, that do want to. And, and so far, you know, the reports are pretty anecdotal that claim that, you know, supply of new vehicles isn't great in certain categories. Uh, But we have certainly seen some of those reports. Uh, So some of the the speculation over whether uh, used vehicles are going to be more popular, which you might imagine when people are thinking about affordability, or whether more affordable new cars will be. Uh, more uh, popular than they were before this madness hit. It, it's still a little bit early, but we at the Cars.com editorial department decided to get as far ahead of all of us as we could and have been working on different types of content to address these various areas uh, and knowing that one way or another, affordability is going to be a factor for, uh, for consumers. Some are going to want an affordable new cars, some will want affordable used cars, or maybe consider used options for the first time ever. Uh, And then there's a question of of keeping the cars that they have longer. These are all the types of things that that we're working on in anticipation of the coming new reality.
1: Seems that manufacturing issue would kind of complicate the crystal ball because, as you mentioned, we haven't seen that that crunch of the the product that's actually available out there in the past. While at the same time, if consumers are looking to save, but there's less supply and that drives up price, it just kind of it kind of makes everything a lot more complicated than like what I thought it might be going into this.
0: Yeah, we've all been wondering the same thing, and and really those answers are not yet available, partly because we don't know what's going to continue to happen with uh, the virus and its course, because um I mean, though manufacturing has restarted in many cases, um, you know, if the lines have to stop every time uh, 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 an auto worker is found to be infected, um, that really messes with production. And I think the automakers are trying to figure out a way around that, partly because the system, and I think people who listen to this podcast might be a little bit more aware of it than the general public, but... Um, just-in-time manufacturing, which is how vehicles are, are, are built, is so enormously complex. It's, it's, it's actually unimaginable for most people, myself included, that parts are coming from all over the world, literally all over the world, and arriving just-in-time to be put on the car as it moves down the line. And imagine l- trying to stop that or start it up again. I mean, and this is why it's so so uh, so complicated right now. When different countries are going about their restarts and their different health protocols and all of this stuff um, at, on different timelines and with different guidelines and different uh, priorities, it's really it's mind
1: boggling. So if I'm a consumer approaching car buying right now thinking I can't afford much, I've, I've got to save money. What's the what's the best strategy for the consumer going forward? Where, where should they start?
0: Well, one of the things that we attacked first uh, was we decided to uh, spell out in our reporting the 10 most affordable, or cheapest, uh, for want of a better term, cars and SUVs, which we published on cars.com. Um, new new uh, models we're talking about. Uh, and in both cases, um, they take the form of subcompact vehicles. Um, and in, as it regards cars, we're talking about prices ranging from as little as just over $15,000 for a Chevrolet Spark, 2020 Chevy Spark LS. That includes the destination charge, ranging up to just under 19000 for a Toyota Yaris hatchback. Uh, pretty affordable stuff. And mileage combined mileage in the 30s, like a, above 30, I think across the board. In some cases, I think 39 is, is one of the highest for a Mitsubishi Mirage. So really efficient vehicles. Um, and on the, the crossover side, the, the subcompact SUVs, you start with the Chevrolet Trailblazer of 2021. Now, some people might not even realize that model name is back for a new subcompact because it's just about to hit the market. That is now under $20,000. Um, and if you look at the size of these things, they're actually reasonably roomy. But they're, in a lot of ways, they are cars. They sit higher. They have typically optional all-wheel drive. So there are a lot of things we like about SUVs, but they're they're a lot more like cars in in terms of their size and their weight and their mileage. So you look at the mileage of these ten vehicles, and we're talking about close to thirty miles per gallon. Twenty nine for that that Trailblazer, you know, twenty nine miles per gallon combined. Uh, the Mazda CX three is thirty one. The Honda HRV is thirty. So. Not what you think of if you have kind of a legacy notion of, of how efficient SUVs are. Uh, and it's partly because they're small. And one of the other things that I'd point out to anyone who hasn't considered uh, a small car, especially, or one of these small crossover SUVs in five years, uh, much less 10 years, is how good they can be. They may be arguably the bottom of, of, the, of the lineup, but they're packed with features. You can get stuff like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Uh, Some of the active safety features like uh, automatic emergency braking and lane keep assist, the interiors are much nicer than you would imagine, again, if you haven't shopped in in five years. So we're not talking about the penalty box that an entry-level vehicle used to be. So for people who would rather avoid the complexity and the uncertainty Um, especially with the virus out there of shopping for a used car and maybe being worried about the contagion either of a vehicle that was owned by someone else or that you might have to go through more steps to get it uh, um, inspected, which we always recommend even if you're buying a used car from a dealership. If you just wanna make it clean, get a new car, know it has the warranty and it's just gonna be simple and you know what you're gonna pay for it. If you wanna go new car, there are good options out there cheaper probably than people realize and definitely higher quality than most people probably recognize for uh, this end of the market.
1: You mentioned used cars as an option. Are, y- are we seeing any indication of a shift towards that, like a greater percentage of sales sliding that way or is it too early really to drill down into that?
0: This is another one of those things that's difficult to determine for a couple reasons. One is that it's early, but also it will depend on what, the reality turns out to be for new cars. Because there are some people, there are some consumers who will never cross that line. They will always buy new cars or they will never buy a new car. They will always buy used. But for you know many others, It depends on where the best deal is they will slide from one to the other and new car prices always affect used car prices and vice versa so if we find that new cars are not inventory isn't you know what it could be to provide cash strapped buyers with the deals they want they're more likely to go into used and that's something that can work out great it can give them all those options but in time, what does that do? That can deplete the used car supply, and then it can swing back the other way. These factors are always you know, intertwined, and it's a little bit early to tell. We do know there are a lot of vehicles coming off lease in the next roughly year, and that typically feeds the CPO market, certified pre-owned market, which is pretty popular. So arguably, they're there should be a lot of availability of used cars. I feel like, at least from where I'm sitting, it's a little bit too early to tell. But it is times like this where uh, the economy is soft, where people start to consider used cars where they might have previously gone uh, for new.
1: Speaking again about demand in general, whether we're talking new or used, when we saw the lockdowns lifted over in China, there was a rush, really a surprising rush, by the public to buy cars. Like, First thing, presumably because there remains a hesitation to use public transit, which was really big over there. So any areas relying on trains heavily for commuting could see a shift to highways instead. Are we seeing any indication of that here in the States?
0: So far, there's there's a lot of speculation here as well that fear of mass transit or ride hailing, et cetera, could boost car sales and could also end up in resulting in more clogged roads. I think it's a little bit early to draw that conclusion, partly because there are a lot of other people and other companies that are recognizing how much work they can get done by not commuting. So one would hope that commutation might might stay a little bit suppressed uh, for a while. But you do hit on one of the other things by mentioning what's happening in China, which is There may be pent up demand. There may be people who have not been affected by the virus who are taking advantage of the deals that are available. And that's why I don't, I'm not sure I'm gonna trust the sales figures we see for a month or two. It does seem like there are two types of consumer out there. There are the ones who have been affected greatly by the pandemic and the ones that have been less affected, uh, certainly financially. And the ones who have been less affected are in a position to buy. And they've been trapped at home for a couple of months as well. And now that things are you know, lightening up, they can get out and they can get a really good deal on a vehicle. So I think the joy that we're seeing over uh, sales of new cars being a little bit better than some predicted might be positive. But I think we probably are a few months from knowing what the new reality will be uh, because you just can't expect when, when, you know, roughly a third of Americans or, or more are unemployed that they're going to be out buying new cars. Again, one of the reasons that we in the editorial department are focusing on so many areas here, including used cars, and to whatever extent we can, the, the issues of, of holding on to whatever car you have.
1: The last several months have forced the hands of many dealers and OEMs alike to explore more efficient marketing tactics. Meanwhile, consumers are looking for both frictionless buying options and businesses that can make them feel safe in our new normal. These factors have led to in-market video getting a lot of well-deserved attention in our industry. Cars Fuel solution leverages data-driven targeting to reach true in-market consumers wherever they're consuming video whether it's on social, OTT, or other online video platforms. No matter where these in-market consumers are, you can spread the word to them about not only your current incentives, but what steps your brand is taking to enable safe shopping. Speak to your Cars.com representative today to learn more about in-market video, or visit Fuel.Cars to see how being an early adopter can help you transform your marketing strategy. speaking of financial impacted, the obviously the first thing that people want to jump to is to make parallels between today and the financial crisis in 2008, which you were obviously covering the auto industry during that time as well. Do you see similarities or is it just so wildly different in the causes that it that it's tough to draw a comparison?
0: I think it's more wildly different than most people do and I was with Car- I've been with cars.com since 1997 so I saw that one I, i've seen I've seen a lot of this stuff. The, the ebb and flow, and what happened in, in that crisis, that was a, a credit crisis. That was the cause of the problem. And this is, we would hope, a transient health crisis that caused the economic problem. And the reason I say I might think it's more divergent than most is that the stock market is actually doing better than I would have expected right now. I'm a little surprised by it. It's, in a lot of ways, the opposite from what we saw in 2008, 2009. That was the inability to borrow money. Leases just dried up, could hardly get them. I mean, it was very difficult for people to borrow money. That doesn't seem to be the case now. And I I suspect even after these special deals of 0% financing, uh, if that eases up, I suspect things to look more like they did before the virus hit or maybe favorable uh, for consumers as opposed to the way things looked a few months after the, the credit crisis of 2008-2009. This is very different. So it, there's cer- certainly something to be learned from that for uh, economists and people with bigger brains than mine. Um, but uh, from where I'm sitting, it's a very different situation and, and one we've never seen before because when the Spanish flu came in, in 1918, we, we, weren't, we weren't buying 17 million New cars in the United States every year.
1: Henry Ford was still trying to figure it out back then.
0: So, yeah, yeah, that was he was working on that whole assembly line idea, if that.
1: Um, shifting briefly from the buy side to the sell side, if dealers, manufacturers, they're they're trying to figure this out just like consumers are, and I don't think anyone wants to go into the market with the message, "Yeah, we've got cheap, cheap, cheap cars right now," because I mean, there's negative connotations to to that approach. So. How do you market affordability? Like what are the right levers to pull in that messaging? I think it's
0: probably all features, features, features. I mean, you, you, you put a, a, a picture up in a video, uh, a streamed video online or on TV or on a billboard, whatever. If it's a good looking vehicle and it has the features and in a low price, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, that, that, that's what people want to see. I mean, What's, I think, a little more difficult now, and I don't know what the answer is, is how you convert the shopper, or the up, to use the dealership term, from whatever they came in to look at to what they might be better off in or what they might, on their own, find they're better off in. One of the things that we're always pointing out is you know when the when the Honda HRV came out, it's the subcompact in our list. Just to go back to our list of the ten most affordable you know uh, uh, SUVs, when that came out, one of the best things it had going for it was that it was being sold right next to the best-selling SUV in the country, which is the Honda CRV at the time, uh, and it's still frequently one of the best-selling uh, model in the country. Uh, and so that means that the shopper goes into the dealership and he sees the crv and says oh it might be bigger than i need or maybe cost a little bit more than i need but what about this one or maybe walk in the door and walk right up to the hrv not knowing what it is or thinking it's the crv this is what uh is less likely to happen now if people aren't coming to the dealership it really relies on them knowing more or uh being more educated and That's the kind of thing that I think dealers are scratching their heads about and uh, manufacturers and even we at Cars.com are as well. It's one of the things that we always think about. And I think to the credit of our editorial department, if I can toot our horn a little bit, is one of the things we've always tried to do, which is kind of give an idea of what, what a vehicle is, where it is in its lineup. And we've always emphasized the competitive aspect. What are its competitors? How does it fare against... Its main competitors today, because even if the same roughly the same model is sold for three or four years, its competitors maybe were updated two years ago or one year ago or, you know, just this year. So it's always changing. And that's why we're always busy.
1: Before we wrap things up, I want to just totally mess everything up because we've talked about a lot of factors that have gone into all of this. But one thing we have not touched on which has been affected a little bit by the virus and a little bit by, you know, Russia and Saudi Arabia and others just being at each other's throats because that's what you know oil producing nations do sometimes is the fact that oil has gotten a lot cheaper. Maybe not as bottom of the barrel as it was a couple of months ago, but it's a, it's a factor that we haven't seen in a while. And as you mentioned earlier, you're not looking at just a list of of affordable small cars. You're bringing, you know, SUVs and things like that into the picture, which means there has to be a lot of consumers looking at the price of gas at the gas station on their way to the dealership and thinking, maybe now is the time for me to get into something big. Well, I mean,
0: I I would like to think that it's giving people a break who maybe have something a little bit more uh, uh, thirsty. It's helping them hold on to it because uh, times when gas prices are high are really a bad time to get rid of a gas guzzler because that's when no one wants one. Honestly, gas prices are fascinating because they are attacks on everything and everyone. And people tend not to recognize that when gas prices are high, it affects everyone. It affects not just us when we fill our tanks but it affects the cost of goods and services too you know how much it costs to deliver products to stores and such um so the fact that gas prices are low right now is is sort of a blessing and we need it on the other hand uh it doesn't always it doesn't last forever Uh, We should know that. Uh, Even though this is the land of consistently low gas prices, for better or for worse, they will go up again. And now is actually a good time to get rid of a gas guzzler for that reason. Don't try selling your gas guzzler when gas prices are high. That's when you're not going to get rid of it. Sell it now. (laughs) Um, And take advantage and get a good price on something that's efficient. And you will get a payoff in the long run. I do fear that the low gas prices... And the economic crunch is just going to hurt the mainstream adoption of electric cars even more in the United States. We predicted, as part of our you know coming decade predictions at the end of of uh, last year, that the electric cars would struggle to reach uh, kind of a mainstream penetration in the U.S. within the decade, because. You need a reason to buy them. And this is the land of cheap gas. And now with the cost of electric cars being high and gas being even cheaper and people being under economic strain because of the virus, I think that makes it even harder for them here.
1: And of course, the marketplace will certainly continue to evolve as the year rolls on. And I know the CARS editorial team has been busy following all of these trends and you will continue to do so. Where can people go to find all that great work?
0: Uh, Go to cars.com slash news. That's where everything is updated all day, every day. And uh, videos and reviews is a tab where you can see uh, our reviews of the latest and greatest new models.
1: Understanding the needs of consumers and how to meet those needs has never been easy. But 2020 has increased that challenge exponentially. And while we all hope that the back half of this year is less turbulent than the first, good to head into the future armed with some solid ideas from Joe of what car shoppers are looking for and how to best connect with them. And I highly recommend you check out all the great work Joe and his team are doing at cars.com news and see what will be helping drive consumer demand into the summer and fall. I'm Peter Stork. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week for another new episode of Unscheduled Maintenance.